This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. As we continue this sermon series on prayer, we're now going to be focusing on the words from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us here around your word. We pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word, that we'd leave here stronger Christians than the ones that came. And don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of the work of your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. The emotions that we feel are not necessarily good or bad, right or wrong. Emotions are are really actually a gift of God, and and there's a time and place for, for every kind of emotion. There is a time to be angry. Anger uh, lets us know that there's been an injustice, that, that something that we really care about has been threatened or harmed. There's a time to be sad. In fact, sadness allows us to, to process the grief of what we lost, the person or thing that, that's no more. There's even a time to be afraid and scared and, and anxious uh, in a time of crisis, that fear helps help us focus and be more vigilant to the potential threat. The problem is, is when any one of these emotions becomes overwhelming and keeps us from doing the things that we want to accomplish. And we all have kind of uh, different personalities, and because of our different personalities, um, we will get stuck in one uh, one of three different kinds of emotions. For some of us, if, if we're really stressed out, if we're really in an unhealthy situation, we will get angry. And you, you felt that. For some of you, um, that's where you go when you get stressed out. You just get angry. That's the feeling that you have. And you get stuck there. For some of you, um, you get, if you go through a time of stress or unhealth, you get really stuck in worry, in fear, and in, in anxiety, and it just feels overwhelming. It's hard to get out. And for some of you, during a time of stress or, or, or unhealth, you get stuck in sadness. Out of those three, my personality is the one that, that will get stuck in sadness. Well, the good news is, is that psychologists and therapists and even theologians agree that there is one practice that can be really helpful in getting you unstuck. It's a practice of thankfulness. It's not easy, 
It's not a silver bullet. It's not immediate always. But thankfulness is one way to get out of that pit of those emotions. Now, um, the reason is, is because it's almost impossible to be thankful and angry at the same time. It's almost impossible to be thankful and worried at the same time. It's almost impossible to be completely sad and thankful at the same time. And so thankfulness, when, when we practice this, it has a way of kind of tsunami in every other emotion that we're feeling and gets us unstuck. But man, sometimes it's just so hard to find anything to be thankful for. It can be overwhelming. It's, sometimes it just, it, it just feels impossible. There's just so much frustration, so much loss. Maybe there's things that are going on biologically that keeps us from even seeing anything. There's all these different things that could be keeping us from seeing any reason to be thankful. We're continuing our sermon series, How to Talk to God. It's a sermon series on prayer. And, and prayer can be quite challenging. I've, I've talked to, um, you know, professors and pastors and even professional, you know, these professional Christians, and we're all supposed to be these experts in prayer. And I think you talk to anyone, even the strongest of Christians, and they would say that they be challenging to pray. And so in this sermon series, we really wanted to simplify it, to talk about prayer, just talking with God. And so in the first week, Pastor Bill said, you know, prayer can just be saying, wow, God, look at what you've made. And then last week, Pastor, Pastor Bob said, you know, it can be as easy as saying, simple as saying, I'm sorry. Sorry for the things I've done. And then today, we'll be focusing on that simple prayer, thank you. Now that's easy to say those words, thank you, but they can be really hard to mean it. It's really hard to find a reason to be thankful. And so that's why in this sermon, here's the, prayer, here's the question I want to answer. How can we cultivate a prayer life full of thankfulness? And to answer that question, I want to go back to Psalm 100 and and in, I don't know how much you know about the Psalms, but, but the Psalms are the Hebrew prayer book. It's the Hebrew hymn book. And if you were to take your physical Bible, you have a physical Bible, and you just open up to the middle of your Bible, that's where you'll find the Psalms. And there's 150 of them. And Psalm 100 begins this way. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with Joyful songs. The psalmist is just excited. He's saying, let's shout for joy. Let's worship. Let's worship with gladness. Let's enter into God's presence with a joyful song. He's just kind of through the roof. He's really, really excited. Really, really happy. Really, really joyful. He reminds me of my yellow lab. Yellow Lab Scout, uh, got a lot of energy, especially on Tuesdays. See, Tuesdays are the day that, that have a lot of meetings here at Victory. Uh, there's a lot of busyness going on in my wife's schedule as well. And so on Tuesdays, we take Scout to Brentwood for doggy daycare. 
And only on Tuesdays do I bring out the purple leash. And when I bring out the purple leash, my dog starts jumping on all fours, basically, running around in circles. She'll run over to the door, and she can't contain herself. You just see all the energy. Her tail starts wagging. Um, I open up the door. She goes charging out to the car, sits by the car, waiting for me to open up the car. She just can't wait to go play with her friends at doggy daycare. I think we all want to experience a purple-ish kind of day, right? We all want to have that kind of joy and excitement and anticipation, kind of like the psalmist. That's the psalmist seems to be having a purple-ish kind of day. That can be really hard. So how do you experience that? Well, first thing that we need to understand is this is Psalm 100 that the editors of the Psalms put the Psalms in a specific order. And this is Psalm 100. And it's very different than how Psalm 3 sounds. In Psalm 3, it goes like this. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? The psalmist is afraid, is anxious about the foes coming up against him. And then a couple psalms later, Psalm 6 says, My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? All night long, I I flood my bed with weeping and I drench my couch with tears. The psalmist is sad, is depressed, is overwhelmed with grief. And then you read Psalm 22. This is what Jesus quoted from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day and you do not answer. By night and I find no rest. Seems like the psalmist is is angry that, that God doesn't seem to be delivering. You see, the editor of the Psalms that that arranged the book put the Psalms together in a specific order. There's actually five books in the book of Psalms. And in a way, the Psalms kind of follow the journey as you read them, that you can kind of see they follow the journey of Israel. As Israel came out of Egyptian slavery and through the wilderness and, and really struggled to establish themselves in the promised land. There were enemies on the outside. There was was, uh, idolatry on the inside, corrupt leaders that were leading them astray. And there's so much pain and suffering. And so, so many of the early Psalms are, are telling that story through prayer. As they cry out to God, "Uh, God, where are you? God, the God, this doesn't make any sense. God, bring justice. Where, Where is your answer? I'm in so much grief. God, I feel overwhelmed with guilt. And as you read those psalms in order, you see the majority of them in the beginning are these laments, these, this, these, this anger, this sadness, this frustration, this worry, this guilt, this shame. But then they'll be peppered in there, some joy and some thankfulness. And as you keep reading, you start to see that there's less and less of that lament and the sadness and the, the pain and the tears. And there's more and more joy and thankfulness. 
And I think the psalmist is not just only telling the story of Israel, but telling the story of the, the Christian life. The life of the believer. You know, we become Christians and we think, oh, life is now going to be easy. But so often, right after we become Christians or we really realize what Christianity is, there's so much confusion. There's so much doubt. There's so much pain. There's so much guilt. There's so much sorrow. And you say, God, where are you? And you just keep praying through those Psalms and you keep walking with the Lord and eventually it turns to praise. That's what we're learning. Eugene Peterson, the Christian author and pastor, uh, now in heaven, but this is what he wrote. He said this, All true prayer pursued far enough will become praise. It does not always get there easily, but the end is always praise. And so... um, that's what we're learning, that yeah, yeah, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be afraid and worried. You, you keep praying and you keep praying. And eventually, as you walk with the Lord, eventually it all changes. As you keep praying, your pain will eventually turn to praise. As you keep praying, your anger will eventually turn to adoration. As you keep praying, your worry will eventually turn to worship. Don't stop. Keep walking with the Lord. And the story of the Psalms will be your story. And so I think this helps us answer our opening question. How can we cultivate a prayer life full of thankfulness? Keep praying until your prayer turns to praise. Don't stop. Yeah. Grieve. Yell at God. Fight with all these feelings, all those things. Keep going, keep going. And eventually, you walk with the Lord, you find things to be thankful for. That, that pain turns to praise. Now, the, only, uh, the, the, the message that, that this is Psalm 100 is not the only point. That if you keep praying, it'll eventually turn to praise. Let's look at some of the, the content of this psalm. It goes on in verse 3, it says this. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The psalmist says, there's something I know about God. I look at God. I meditate on God. I learn things about God and that changes me. You see, what can happen when we're in so much pain, when we're so angry about an injustice and we look at that, we focus that on, we ruminate it, that anger gets bigger. We stay stuck in it. Whatever we focus on gets bigger. Uh, The grief and the sadness of what we've lost can be so overwhelming and we keep on focusing on it that what we focus on, we focus on that grief and that sadness and the sadness gets bigger. We, We look at all the reasons that we can be afraid and worried and we keep our eyes on that And that worry, that thing that we're worried about, gets bigger. And so what the psalmist is doing here, he's diverting our attention away from ourselves and our problems and the things that we're going through, and he wants us to take a look at God. And he says, know that the Lord is God. 
That the, the Lord is God. He's the author. He's in charge. Look at him. The Lord is in charge. The God of the Bible is weaving a beautiful tapestry of your life. Although you might only see the, the back end of it and might not make any sense. It looks all scribbled and, and messed up. God sees the other side of the tapestry that he's making. The Lord is God. He's in charge. And then he goes on to explain who that Lord is. And I think as Christians, we look at this and we can see the Trinity here. The Father, the Creator, the Son, the Savior, and the Holy Spirit, our guide. He, he says, it is he who made us. God made us, our, our creator, God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. He, he made us. You are not an accident of Darwinian evolution. God made you. God made you exactly the way he wanted you. He, he's the one who painted every freckle on your face. God was the one who was, who was folding all of the the folds in your, your brain to make you this kind of person, to design you, to give you the skills and capacities that you need. God made you. There's, there's things about you that are, that are different than me. God designed your hands and your feet to do certain skills and things. I mean, some of you are builders. Some of you are mechanics. Some of you um, are caregivers and surgeons and nurses. Some of you are teachers. The reason you're an athlete or a coach is because God designed you. You were made by God. That's good news. That gives us an endless reason to say, thank you, God. Thank you for making me. Thank you. But then he goes on to talk also, um, he, sa he says, and we are his. Why does he have to tell us that? Because by nature, we rebel against our designer. By nature, this is called sin. We rebel against the one who created us. We, we, we go against the grain of God's design. We, we bite the hand that feeds us. And God has seen that. He's seen how we are. All have gone astray. And so he's come after us and he's bought us and he's brought us into his family. In fact, literally the Hebrew here says, and we are not our own. We are not our own. We were bought by God into his family. We're adopted. Now for Israel, they could look at some pretty historic moments when God bought them and brought them into his family. They could think back to the time they were in Egypt and enslaved for 400 years and God rescued them out of Egyptian slavery and bought them, made them his own people um, to be the people that would, that would show the world who God is, to bring the Savior into the world. And now we as New Testament Christians, we also can point to some events in our life where God adopted us, God bought us. We saw it today. In the baptism, we were adopted. Um, Jesus bought us with his own blood. I've talked to people over the years uh, who've been adopted, and, and it can be really a challenging, confusing thing. But I remember speaking to one woman who said, you know, everybody else... Um, their parents love them because they're their kids, and they have to love them, they, and they're... You're born with, with these kids. But my parents, they chose me. They adopted me. They knew everything about me. They knew my past, and yet they still chose me. 
And that's what God has done for you. He knew everything about you. He knew all the directions that you would go. And yet he chose you. You are not your own. He decided to have you. And that gives us an endless reason to thank God, to say, thank you, God, for choosing me. Thank you, God, for adopting me. Thank you, God, for making me a part of your family. And that gets us off ourselves and onto the God who loves us. And then the psalmist goes on to say, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The image here is a a shepherd guiding his sheep. And we think about the Holy Spirit guiding our life. Uh, How the Holy Spirit has, has been guiding all the different things in your life to lead you to this moment. Allowing you to overcome all the different adversities. Moving you in all the different directions until you are here listening to God's word. Hearing that God loves you and forgives you and accepts you. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you. And so when you recognize that the Holy Spirit has been guiding you like a shepherd guiding sheep, you have an endless reason to say, thank you. Thank you, God. And so I think this helps us answer our opening question completely. You know, how do we cultivate a prayer life full of thankfulness? Well, yes, we want to keep on praying until our prayer turns to praise. But also we want to meditate on all the wonders that God has done. We want to meditate on on who God is, that God made us, that God saved us, that God is guiding us, that the Lord is with us. And when we take our eyes off ourselves and put it back on God, We have all the reasons to give thanks. And that's what led the psalmist to to close out this psalm saying, so now enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The psalmist could look back on Israel's history and look at all the pain and the problems and the the persecution, all the things that they've endured, but he's decided to look at all the ways that God has been faithful and all the ways that God has been walking with them. And we can do the same. Jesus promises that in this world, we will have trouble. It is going to be hard, but as we keep our eyes on God and meditate on all his wonders and all his works, We will always have a reason to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Makes me think of my grandma Sadler. My grandma and grandpa, they're both with the Lord now. But uh, my grandpa built uh, a little ranch house in Raymond just south of here. And so when I was a young boy uh, living in in Summers, Wisconsin, uh, I'd come up here and, and stay overnight at my grandma's house. And I love staying at grandma and grandpa's house because my grandma was a baker. And so she always made the best meals and, and she would bake the, the most delicious cookies. She had this, this red cookie jar that was always filled with delicious cookies. Uh, she, she always would be buying these little gifts and she'd wrap them up and put them in her bedroom. And then when we play games like bingo, uh, you would get a present and you get to open it up. And of course, we kept playing bingo until everyone, my brother and all of our cousins, everybody got a, got a present. And she was just a woman that was always filled with joy, it seemed like. 
And if you were to look at her life from the outside, you might say there wasn't many reasons for her to be joyful. They didn't have a lot of money. She had lots of health issues and and she couldn't get around very well, but she was thankful. And I think it all went back to this daily practice that she had. I remember waking up, still in my PJs, smelling the, the bacon and eggs that she was making. I'd come out of the bedroom and, and she'd turn around and she'd say, it's a beautiful day to be happy in the Lord. And I'd say, yes, Grandma, you say that every day. And when I come over, you say it. I know, you say it all the time. And then she would say, and I always say that even when it's raining outside. And it was her way of saying, you know, there's always a reason to be thankful. Even when it's raining, there's always a reason to be thankful. There's always a reason to say, thank you, God. And she was. She was thankful to God for the, the red cardinals, her favorite bird that would, that would come on her bird feeder. In fact, every time I see a cardinal today, I think of Grandma Sadler. She was thankful of her community of believers, um, the Christian church that she attended, and how she heard the good news week after week that she was a forgiven, loved child of God. She was thankful for all the blessings and she could see them because she had that practice that today is a beautiful day to be happy in the Lord. What if we all had that practice? I think we'd have more purple leash kind of days, right? That what if instead of, um, instead of checking our phone first thing in the morning and seeing the news or comparing our life with somebody else's highlight reel on social media, what if before our feet hit the ground, we would say it's a beautiful day to be happy in the Lord. No matter what's going on out there, there's going to be a reason to be thankful to God. I think that would change everything. See, today you're going to all experience a host of emotions, and that's okay. Like I said, there is a time to be angry. There is a time to be sad. There is a time to be afraid. We just can't live in those emotions. So that's why we have this practice of thankfulness. That's why we want to to keep on praying. Keep on praying like the psalmist prayed through those psalms and eventually our pain will turn to praise as we meditate on the wonders of God. So we can say, it's a beautiful day to be happy in the Lord. And if we do that, I think we'll have a purple leash kind of day. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray for all those right now who are really struggling to see anything to be thankful for. Whatever the reason is, Lord God, I pray that you would walk with them, that you would be with them in these challenging moments, and that you would help them continue to speak with you and to walk with you and eventually turn all of their pain to praise. Lord God, uh, we thank you that you are our God. We thank you that you made us. We thank you that we are not our own, that you saved us and bought us. And we thank you that you're guiding our life. And so, Lord God, lead us to live a life of thankfulness. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com dot com.